turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We are going to continue our message that we shared with you two weeks ago. This is part two of His grace is sufficient for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1, it says this, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word today. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. We thank you for the ultimate expression of this. Whenever you came as a baby, you left the glory and the splendors of heaven. You left behind all of your power and majesty and came in the form of a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Lord, you expressed for us, you demonstrated for us what love is, what grace is, what power really is. May you be glorified this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we shared with you, we're continuing our message from two weeks ago, on God's grace being sufficient for us. What we looked at two weeks ago, we looked at this. We looked at, first of all, glory. God honored Paul. God honored him by giving him visions and revelations and things that no man man had not seen before. And yet God chose Paul and revealed himself to him in a very powerful and real way. We realize that we talk about goodness, God humbled Paul by giving him a thorn in the flesh. It was given to him. And today, we're going to find about the grace of God. Grace, God helped him. We will not go back through all of the things from that message two weeks ago because you heard it then. But what we want to pick up here in verses 9 and 10. There were two messages that were involved in this painful experience that Paul had. He had this thorn in the flesh, and he asked God three times to remove it. The thorn in the flesh was Satan's message to Paul. But God had another message. 
God had a message of grace. Have you ever had Satan do something in your life or something happen in your life and it's almost you feel as if Satan's there just saying to you, I can get you whenever I want to. I can torment you whenever I want to. I have access to you when I want to. Has anyone here ever had those experiences when you felt like you were being taunted or tormented? That was Satan's message to Paul. But God had a message of grace. The, the tense of the verb in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 is important. Because it's, well, this is what it really says. And he, meaning God, has once and for all said to me. And he, God, has once and for all said to me. God gave Paul a message that stayed with him. Have you ever been... In, in a situation where you ask someone, maybe as a child you go ask your mom, and five minutes later you go back and ask her again, and five minutes after that you go back and ask her again, and eventually you can wear them down. All of our teenagers and children understand this principle. God gave Paul an answer, and it was a final answer. God gave a message that stayed with him. The words Paul heard while he was in heaven, he shared earlier, that he wasn't permitted to share these things. But Paul does share the message that God gave him on earth. And what an encouraging message it was. It was a message of grace. What is grace? Well, grace is God's provision for every need when we need it. Grace is God's provision for whatever needs you and I might have when we have need of it. It has been said that God in his grace gives us what we don't deserve. And in his mercy, he doesn't give us what we do deserve. Someone else has made an acrostic of the words grace, meaning this, God's riches available at Christ's expense. Grace is God's riches, his power, his resources available at Christ's expense. John chapter 1 verse 16 says, And of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. This was a message of sufficient grace. There was never a shortage of grace. And listen to me. There will never be a shortage of grace. God is sufficient. He's more than enough. For all of the ministry needs that you have, God's grace is more than enough. God is more than enough for any material need that you and I may have. And God is more than enough for any physical need that we may have. If God's grace is enough to save us, and we believe that. We believe that if we confess our sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have any doubt about that. But sometimes men and women struggle with this idea of his grace being enough to keep us and to strengthen us and to supply for us in the midst of our trials and our difficulties. This message that God gave to Paul was also a message of strengthening grace. God permits us to become weak and to be able to see our weaknesses. Man, I hate that. I absolutely despise that. I don't like that at all. 
I hate being weak, and I hate being able to see those weaknesses. Sometimes we feel good if we can't see them. Do you know what I'm saying? But God allowed Paul to become weak so that he may receive God's strength. This is a continual process. My power, this is what God said to Paul. My power is being made perfect. It's this process. It's ongoing. God says, my power is being made perfect in your weaknesses. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing, day after day after day after day. It's a continual process where God's power is being made perfect in your weaknesses. Strength that knows itself to be strength is actually weakness. But weakness that knows itself to be weakness is actually strength in God's economy. You know, in the Christian life, we get many of our blessings through transformation, not substitution. I want you to think about that for a moment. When Paul prayed three times for the removal of his pain, he was asking God for a substitution. This is what he was saying. He's saying, God, give me health instead of sickness. Give me deliverance instead of pain and weakness. And sometimes God does not meet our need by substitution. Sometimes he meets our need by transformation. He doesn't remove the affliction. He doesn't remove the barrier. But he gives us grace so that the affliction, so that the barrier works for us and not against us. If you don't get anything today, I hope that you'll get this principle. See, because most of our lives as Christians, we're asking God for substitution. Lord, I have this trial. Just take it away. I don't want any trial. Give me glory instead of trials. Lord, I have this struggle. Would you just take it out of my way? In some ways, we ask God to lower the bar so that we can cross over it. Instead of strengthening us so that we can overcome it. I hope somebody's hearing this today. We want God to lower the requirements so that we feel good about ourselves. A lot of times we want to lie to ourselves. We want the instructor to grade on a curve so that 70% is an A. Have you ever been in a class where they grade on the curve? And you're like, I got 10 wrong out of 25 and I get a C. I mean, I must be really with some real winners in here, right? We like it whenever we grade on the curve. I wish 260 pounds would be my perfect body weight. Don't you? I wish that would be my perfect body weight. I wish they'd have a chart where the doctor would say, Wow, Pastor Steve, you are looking fit. Hey, uh, listen, you got to eat a little bit more. You're getting a little too thin there. You need to put some meat on your bones. We wish that we could lower the bar, and we wish that we could lower the standards sometimes. So that somehow in our minds or in our hearts that we feel better. That's all fine and good, but friend, God is in the business of transformation. His divine purpose is to see you transformed into the image of his son. That's what his purpose is. He's going about something greater. To illustrate this again, it would be nice, all of us wish that 
we could maybe, if you go to the gym, an amount of weight that you would like to press. It would be nice, you know, if it, you remember those sand weights years ago? How many of you guys, when you were a teenager, you had those concrete or sand weight bench in your basement? And like, if you weren't careful, you'd set it on to those cheap benches and it would flip back over. Or It's like you, we want to say, okay, well, this is 200 pounds and yet we want to take out 100 pounds of it. Take the sand out and look at it. Oh, well, we have 200 pounds on here. Look what I can do. Whoopee. Friend, God's not into substituting. He's got a greater purpose. He's at work in our lives transforming us. As Paul prayed about his problem, God gave him deeper insight into what he was doing. Paul learned that his thorn in the flesh was really a gift from God. You mean this trial? This difficulty is a gift from God? You mean this thing I'm going through where I feel so powerless is a gift from God? What a strange gift. But there was only one thing for Paul to do, and that was accept the gift from God and allow God to accomplish his purposes and his plans through Paul's life. God wanted to keep Paul from being exalted above measure, and this was his way of accomplishing it. God wanted people to see his strength and his glory and his power through Paul's life, not Paul's power and Paul's glory, because if people were drawn to Paul, Paul could not save them. Paul couldn't do anything for them in his own self. When Paul accepted his affliction as a gift of God, this made it possible for God's grace to go to work on his behalf. It was then that God spoke to Paul and gave him the assurance of his grace. I want to encourage you this. When you go through difficult times, make sure you're in the word of God. And may I suggest this to you as well? What you will find is that when you are in the word of God, the things that are difficult times right now, will not be if you're in the Word. Because God prepares us. He strengthens us. Some of the challenges that we face, we would just step over them if we would spend time in the Word, if we would spend time drawing near to God. You can be assured of this, that God will speak to you. He has a Word for you. And it's vital that you and I be in his word so that we can receive the guidance and the leading instruction he has. God didn't give Paul an explanation. I like explanation. I like trying to figure out what's going on and why it's going on. But God didn't give Paul an explanation. He gave him a promise. The promise was this. My grace is sufficient for thee. Friends, we don't live on explanations. If you're always waiting for an explanation, that's not living by faith. We do not live on explanations. If you're waiting for an explanation, some of you will be waiting until the day you die for an explanation. We live on the promises of God. Our feelings change, but God's word never changes. Promises from God generate faith, and faith strengthens our hope. Paul claimed God's promise, 
and drew on the grace that was offered to him. This turned his tragedy into a triumph. God didn't change the situation by removing the affliction. He changed it by adding a new ingredient. The ingredient of his grace. You know, according to 1 Peter 5.10, our God is the God of all grace. And according to Hebrews 4.16, his throne is the throne of grace. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 32, the word of God is the word of his grace. And there's a promise, according to James 4, 6, that he giveth more grace. No matter how we look at it. God is enough for every trial we face. God is enough for every weakness we have. God is enough for every frailty that we display. But God doesn't just give us his grace so that we might endure our sufferings. Because sometimes I think that's the mentality that we think. That when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, what he means is that we're just going to grit our teeth the whole time. Oh, oh, oh. Have you ever been in a situation like that? We think that that's all that his grace is. It's enough that I can endure this pain if I hold on to him. I can endure this pain long enough. Even unsaved people can have great endurance. We call it being stubborn. There's some unsaved people who do not know Jesus who have great endurance. In other words, they're just hard-headed. They're stubborn. But God gives us grace so that we can rise above our circumstances and above our feelings to cause those roadblocks in our lives, those afflictions, to no longer be a barrier for us, but to be stepping stones in our lives. To allow those afflictions to work for us instead of against us. God wants to build our character so that we are more like Jesus. God's grace enabled Paul not only to endure his affliction, but to glory in them. He says, if I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may be revealed in us. His suffering was not a tyrant that controlled him, but a servant that served him. Do you ever see that? God allows certain things to come into our lives. He allows certain things to come our way to prepare us. What benefits did Paul receive because of his suffering? Well, the first thing, and what benefits do you receive from your suffering? Oh, no, Pastor, I don't want to experience it. I just want to get out of it. And that's the mentality of so many people. We just say, get me through it. Get me through this experience. I just want to survive it. I just want to, I just can't wait till it's over. Please, God, just get me through it today. That's all I'm asking for. For Paul, he experienced the power of Christ in his life. God transformed Paul's weakness into strength. Paul saw his body as a frail tent, but the glory of God had come into that tent and transformed it into a holy tabernacle. Something else happened to Paul. He was able to glory in his infirmities. That didn't mean that he preferred pain to health 
But he knew how to turn his infirmities, his weaknesses, the obstacle in his life into stepping stones. What made the difference? The grace of God and the glory of God. Paul says that he took pleasure in these trials and problems. Not because he had some psychological imbalance, okay? Not because he was weird or strange, but because he was suffering for the sake of Christ. He was glorifying God by the way he accepted and handled the difficult experiences in his life. What it really comes down to was Paul's issue of trust in God, his faith. His understanding of who God was and the character of God. So because there's going to be situations that come your way that's going to tell you God doesn't care about you. There's going to be circumstances that come your way that say somehow God has left you. He's abandoned you. Somehow God is angry with you and he's disappointed with you. That's why these situations are taking place in your life. That's why these circumstances are here. If you will believe that lie of the enemy, he'll steal away your peace and your joy. He'll steal away your security, your strength. I read a quote. It says, it's a greater thing to pray for pain's conversion than its removal. It's a greater thing to pray for pain's conversion than its removal. In other words, Lord, allow this pain, allow this suffering not to be wasted in my life. Paul won the victory, but not by substitution. He won the victory by transformation. He discovered that God's grace truly was sufficient for him. From Paul's experience, there's a couple things that we can learn. We're going to get into them in just a moment. I want to make sure that we understand here. The promise that God gave to Paul, when Paul came to him and he prayed, I don't know, maybe you could understand this. I could imagine Paul saying, you know, God, I've been doing all these missionary trips for you. And have you ever say that? Lord, I've always wanted to serve you from the time I was a child. Even in his confusion, he was trying to honor God. He was doing what he thought would honor God by persecuting the church. I mean, he was dedicated. He was committed to it. And I can imagine him saying, God, I'm trying to honor you. If he was like us, I've got to do all these missionary trips. I've got to do all this writing. There's all these churches that need me. God, why don't you just go ahead and take this from me? Third time. He prayed about it three times. And the third time, God spoke to him. And God gave him a word. And that is, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I want you to hear today that God has a word for some of you. It doesn't mean that it's an eternal, that God is never going to come and change some of your circumstances. But until he does, do you know what he says to you? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My resources at Christ's expense are more than enough for you in this situation and in this circumstances. And my strength, is made perfect and weakness. But a lot of us are saying, do we have option number two? 
but I would still like you to take it away. But God, I would still like you to change my circumstances because I would rather have more money than have your grace. Ain't that the truth? I would rather not have this headache than have your grace in my life. I would rather have my kids doing exactly what I say than have your grace. But God said to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. What God was saying to him is, I'm willing to give you my power. I'm willing to give you my strength. I'm willing to give you my presence every day. But here's the thing. To receive his grace in these difficult times in our lives, we have to stay close to him. Oh, God, I want grace one time. Am I the only one who wants that? I want grace one time. I want such a dose of grace that I don't have to really stay close to you and depend upon you to keep going on. Just give me a big dose right now, and then I'll just take it from here. That's man's attitude many times. But very quickly, we learned some really practical things from Paul's lesson. That the spiritual is far more important to the dedicated believer than the physical. The spiritual. The spiritual world that we can't see is much more real. It's even more real than the wood and the stones and the brick and the mortar that we do see. This is not to suggest that we ignore the physical because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it does mean that we try not to make our bodies or this life an end to itself. Our bodies are God's tool for accomplishing his work in this world. What God does in developing our character is far more valuable than physical healing or physical pleasure or physical comfort without godly character. Second thing we learn is that God knows how to balance our burdens and our blessings, the suffering and glory. Life is something like a prescription. You know, you have a certain meal, a recipe. There's certain things that you eat by themselves. You're like, oh, yuck. But when it's rightly balanced and added with other things, you're like, wow, that's delicious, or a prescription that brings health and strength. The third thing, we realize this, that not all sickness and not all trials and not all difficulties is caused because of some kind of sin in your life. Whenever a hard time comes, what do many Christians do? Oh, they start searching their hearts. What did I do wrong, God? Where is the sin in my life? Where have I fallen short? How have I disappointed you? The argument of Job's comforters, they said that Job had sinned. And that's why he was suffering. But their argument was wrong in Job's case, as well as wrong in Paul's case. And some people will tell you that if you don't have enough faith. That's why, that's why you're facing sickness or you don't have the right prescription. You're not saying the right things. That's why you're suffering. There's times when God permits Satan to afflict us so that God may accomplish a greater purpose in our lives. Fourth thing, is there something worse than sickness or disappointments or trials? Do you ever notice that sometimes the disappointments of life have a way of 
just almost overwhelming us. Sometimes the bad news or the roadblocks that come our way. There's something worse than that, and that's sin. And one of the worst sins is pride. I know we can't necessarily categorize sin. Sin is sin, and it separates us from God. But there's something about pride that God hates. The healthy person who is rebelling against God is in far worse shape than the sick person who is submitting and enjoying God's grace. The person who's laid off and going through a difficult financial time and wondering, how am I going to make my ends meet? Who has submitted their lives to God is by far better off than the person who's filled with pride and arrogance and say, look at me, look what I have done. It's something. It's kind of a weird thing that God used Satan Why was Satan kicked out of heaven? He rebelled against God. But what caused him to rebel against God? His pride. He was swallowed up in pride. And isn't it something that God used Satan to keep Paul in a place of trust and dependency and to keep Paul humble? The fifth thing. Physical afflictions and the disappointments in life. Whatever the barrier Whatever your thorn in the flesh is. Because some of us, you may be healthy in your body, but there's a thorn. There's something that's bothering you. There's something that you feel like, if this needs to be moved out of my life. Whatever that affliction is, it doesn't need to be a barrier to effective service for God. Let me say that again. Whatever that barrier in your life is, it does not need to be a hindrance to effective ministry or service to the kingdom of God. Now, I can think of Paul. I'm surely, you know, you could say, well, Lord, I could serve you much better if I did not have this thorn in my flesh, this physical affliction. Oftentimes, we're prone to baby ourselves. We're prone to pamper, kind of the way it is in the United States. We want to pamper ourselves. We're really big on comfort. If you buy a car, you want a comfortable ride. Some days, rather than walking, pretty much any ride's pretty good. We want a comfortable ride. Oftentimes, we pamper ourselves, and we let every little thing, every little ache, every little pain, every little setback be a reason why I'm not going to serve God or why I'm not going to fulfill his call in my life. Friend, if that's all that Satan needs to do, can I tell you, he will keep them coming. Every time your kid doesn't listen to you and rebels, if we say, that's it, I can't serve God, I can't, how can I minister to anybody else because I got these things going on in my life. Paul didn't permit his thorn in the flesh to become a stomach block. In fact, he let God turn it into a stepping stone. The final one is that we can always rest And trust God's word. God has a message for us in times of need. His message to Paul was, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. I got the exact thing you need. Paul, my grace, it's sufficient for you. It's more than enough for you. It's adequate for what you're facing today. Friends, if you allow it to, the adversities that you are facing today 
will be the things that strengthen you and prepare you for the challenges of tomorrow. Just kind of like the way heat hardens steel. I read a, a quote that says, If you knew what power there is in accepted sorrow, a lady wrote, she wrote, wrote to a friend and said, If you knew the power that there is in accepted sorrow, if you allowed this trial that you're going through, if you accept it, this difficulty, this thorn that you are facing, when God says his grace is sufficient for you, if you accept that, if you knew the power that there is in that, Paul knew about that power because he trusted the will of God and depended upon the grace of God. And friends, today that same power can be ours. His grace is sufficient for me. I want you to get me out of this. God, there's things I want you just to take over and I want you to get me out of. There's circumstances I want you to change. There's things that I face I don't want to have to face. But God's answer to you is, my grace is sufficient for you. But I don't like that answer. You don't want to say anything else. And God's answer to Paul was a final answer. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What he was saying to Paul is, Paul, I'm going to be walking right with you. I'm going to be right beside you. I'm going to be in near proximity to you. Or you can do this on your own. But my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses. Do you have weaknesses today? Do you have places in your life that you just absolutely hate? God, I hate being weak. I hate having things that I can't fix or do something about or control. But God says in those places, that's where my strength is made perfect. That's where my glory is revealed. I want to remind you of what another thing that Paul wrote. And he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. How does Paul define the troubles that we go through here in this life? He says they're light and they're momentary. You may have a different opinion. You may say mine are heavy and they feel eternal, okay? From a different perspective, Paul says, my light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And that's why we fix our eyes upon Jesus. As we close today, I want you to know this. Sometimes God's answer to you is not what you wanted for Christmas. Oh. You open up a gift and you're like, oh, oh, great. Sometimes we think if he loves us, he would give us exactly what we want, what we think is best. Sometimes God's answer to you is, I'm not going to take away this trial. You're going to go through it. Sometimes I'm not going to give you your way. Well, then I'm going to quit and I'm going to go home and I'm not going to serve you. Well, It's your choice. But oftentimes, 
God's answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my strength will be made perfect where you're weak. Are you going to accept it today? Do you still have to have your way? Do you still have to keep going back and asking him again and again and again and again? There's nothing wrong with seeking and knocking. But whenever God says, my grace is sufficient for you, will you allow that to be a promise to you instead of a curse? My grace is sufficient for you. In certain situations in your life, my grace is sufficient for you. It's more than enough. It's more than adequate. But my finances, my grace is sufficient for you. I got more than enough. But my strength, but my abilities, but all these things, God's answer to us is my grace is sufficient for you. I have you covered is what he's saying. Will you trust him? As we close today, my prayer for each of us is that when God says his grace is sufficient for us, that we'll receive that. We won't try to handle it on our own. We'll quit striving and we'll receive his grace and we'll see his power revealed in our lives. Father God, we thank you today for our time together. I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that whenever your grace comes free in our lives, Lord, I just pray... Lord, I pray that whenever we are in those places where we feel like we need something else, we want something else, I pray that we be recipients of the grace of God, just like we desperately needed your grace for salvation. I pray that on a daily basis we'd understand that we desperately need your grace for the times that you say your grace is enough. I pray instead of taking that as like we didn't get our way, I pray that we would receive it as a promise that you truly are more than enough. Have your way in the hearts of our people, Lord. Just bless, we pray. May they have a great afternoon with their families and just bless in the Sunday school classes and in the services as it follow. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.